Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Who's excited for hot chocolate? Come on. Who's excited for photos with Santa? Come on. Who's excited for Cheerios? Come on. If we haven't met, my name is Ali and my beautiful wife and I. We started this church four years ago with a simple dream. We wanted to create a place where not only Christians could grow in their faith, but listen, unchurched people could explore their faith. So if you're new, let me tell you, you are VIP at Center Set, and we are kicking off a collection of talks called A Very Bold Christmas. Why? Because we're a bold church. We're a If you're new to us, we are a loud church. This tribe has a vibe. Can we make some noise, Center Set? Come on. It's actually a play on words because we're in the process of changing our name from Center Set to Bold, but that's coming in the, in the following year. And if you're new to Christianity, uh, in the third century, Christians invented this term called Advent, which means the coming. And it's a, a, a system where they would prepare on December 1st for the coming of Jesus on December 25th. And they prepare their heart and their soul. And really this collection of talks is about preparing us for the coming of Jesus. Because it's about Jesus, not, not a fat German who's going to break into your house and leave gifts, not die hard, not eggnog. It's, it's about Jesus. So I'm going to read you some verses, and we're going to pray, and I believe God has a word for all of us. You're going to be encouraged and challenged, and you will always be inspired. Let's read this from Matthew chapter 1. It's on the screen. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant Through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. If you can bow your heads and close your eyes, let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have us here. God, we thank you so much that you're speaking to us. Spirit of God, would you do something on the inside of us? I pray that as we are in this room or maybe we're watching online, that we would be the church. Speak to us. Change us. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. If you believe that, everybody said? Everybody said? Can we make some noise for Jesus on Christmas, guys? One of the worst feelings is to wait. Right? Anyone who says they like waiting, these are people who have demons. No one says they like waiting. We all hate to wait, especially when we have to wait on God. Maybe some of you in this room, you've been praying, you've been asking, you've been longing for God to do something in your life, and he hasn't answered. And now you're wondering, does God hear my prayers? Does God care? Has he forgotten about me? And maybe you're praying about migraines. You've had them for years, and you're praying for God to remove them. Maybe, maybe you're asking God for a new job that he would provide for you so you have a, a, a benefit to provide for you and your family. Maybe you're praying for a spouse. Maybe you're married and you want the baby. Maybe, maybe it's a loved one to know Jesus. And, and often in these seasons where we're praying and 
the more we pray, it seems like the less happens. And it's like, God, where are you? Where are you, God? And it's often in, in these moments where, where we begin to doubt the goodness of God. And I want to encourage you today that there's this idea that, that no matter where we are in life, that, that God does hear our prayers and God does hear what we're going through. And uh, I want to preach to you from Matthew chapter 1, this idea, where is God? I know there was this woman once who, who had 43 different things that she was looking for in a spouse. 43 things, so specific. He's got to be this, he's got to be that. He's got to be a man who puts God first in his life, got a, someone who take up the cross, you know, and carry it. And after a couple weeks and months <laughs> and then years, it went down from 43 to 2. He's got to be male, got to have a job. That's it. I want a man who would carry his cross. Now a tattoo is good enough for me, Jesus. Come on. Maybe you're feeling that today. Maybe you're here and you're wondering why God isn't answering your prayer. And You've been praying and begging and believing. And the longer you wait, the more you begin to doubt. Does God care? Does God hear? Is God even real? I want to preach around this idea. This idea what is God doing when we're waiting? That's actually the title of today. What is God doing? I know the holiday season sometimes is, is a lot of joy for some people, but it's a lot of pain for others because you're waiting on something. You've been longing for something, and it hasn't happened. And if you ever pray for something and it didn't happen, I want to show you from the scriptures today that God wants to speak to you, that while you're waiting, God is doing something. Because you've ever been there and you're waiting and praying, and God, God, where are you? Why won't you do something? That is exactly where the Israelites were. God came to them and said, I know the, the world is broken. The world is not the way it should be, but I got a solution. I'm going to bring you a savior. And the Israelites were, were, were ecstatic, and God gave them this promise, gave them this hope. And then the Israelites began to wait. And a day became a week. A week became a month. A month became a year, 10 years, 100 years, a millennium, 1,000 years. And they had to wait for thousands of years before they saw the promise that God had given them. How many years? Let me show you. This, the promise was first given in Genesis chapter 1. If you're not familiar with the story, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the, the, the animals in the sea, Nemo and Simba. And he created the, the birds that fly. And then he made man. He said it's very good. He wasn't just good. It was very good. And, but it was not good that man was alone. And the first time Adam saw a woman, he said, whoa, man, this is different. And he sang the first time he saw her. And God said, you can have dominion and rule over everything. Be fruitful and multiply. The first commandment in the Bible is to go be fruitful. You know how you be fruitful? You have sex with your wife. Our God's an awesome God. Amen? And he said, you can do anything you want. Eat from any tree. Just don't eat from this tree. And of course, of course they ate from that tree. And every time I speak to atheists and go, do you believe in angels and demons? And every time they say no, I go, wait until you have kids. Because God's the perfect parent. And of course his kids don't listen to him. And they eat the tree and they're separated not just from God but from each other. And then God comes to the picture because he pursues. He interrupts our brokenness. He comes after us in our darkness. And he begins to love us. He covers them and begins to speak to, to all three parties, Adam, Eve, and the serpent. And to Eve, he says, I'm sorry, but every daughter of Eve after you will have pain in childbirth. To Adam, he says, to every man after you that is going to work, the ground is going to be give you thistles. It's going to be hard. Work will always be pushing back. And then he says this very bizarre thing to the serpent that most theologians, most Jews skipped over for hundreds and thousands of years until Jesus came and it became 
clear what this verse meant. It's in Genesis chapter 3. Read this verse with me. Cursed are you above all the livestock, all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, which implies that snakes walked. They did not crawl. That's scary. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her. Some say the seed of the woman. He will, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And what God is saying is, 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 is I love that. It's not capitalism. It's not socialism. The brokenness of the world is not going to be fixed with politics or, or rules. It's a person. And our greatest problem is not physical problems. Our greatest problem is spiritual. We have an enemy who owns us, and we are in bondage to him. And God gives a solution, a spiritual solution to a spiritual problem, a savior. Someone who's different than us. Someone who's supernatural. That he's the only one. He's the only one that can crush his head, even though his bruise is going to be healed. And this is a four-prophecy. This is what's called the Proto-Evangelion. It's the first prophecy of Jesus. This is actually the first verse about Christmas in the Bible. And God is declaring that the enemy Satan will be defeated. God's going to have victory over sin, over death, over hell because of Jesus. Anybody grateful for Jesus this morning? And that's what, that's what this verse is declaring. And what's crazy is, is that the, there's a gap between Genesis chapter 3 and that verse first that I read. Do you know how many years between Genesis 3 and Matthew chapter 1 there is? 4,000 years. Let me kind of illustrate this for you. My, my wife and I have this tradition where we go big on Christmas. And my wife is like, should be in the dictionary for like aficionado for Christmas. Like we start listening to Christmas in September. Someone pray for me. Right? Like the Christmas tree goes up in our home before Thanksgiving. And it might, I'm saying maybe, might come down on Valentine's Day. Like we are about Christmas in our home. And every year we have these traditions where we try to like introduce Christmas to our children. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And my five-year-old's too young to, li- to watch Die Hard, because that, that is very much a Christmas movie. But this year, I introduced her to eggnog. She loves eggnog. The next day, she's like, Dad, before she even asked for ice cream or TV, Dad, can I get some eggnog? I said, yes. Imagine for a moment, I gave my daughter the promise, the hope that I would give her eggnog, and w- made her wait five minutes. Like, Dad, did you forget? Now, imagine I made her wait 20 minutes. Like, Dad, did you listen to me? Do you, like, are you even, like, did you forget, Dad? What's going on? Imagine I made her wait a whole year. She would naturally question if I love her. The Israelites were waiting 4,000 years for God to fulfill his promise. What is God doing when we're waiting? 3,000 years after God gave this verse in, in Isaiah chapter 7, it says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, notice how similar this verse is to Matthew 1. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. God is coming. I didn't forget. I'm coming. Hope is on the way. And the Israelites are waiting. This is 700 years before Jesus was born. Our time is different the way that God tells time, right? We have friends. We all have friends that always show up 30 minutes late, Right? God's 4,000 years late. And we're waiting. What do you do when, what is, what is God doing while we're waiting? What do you do while you're praying for a miracle? You're praying for a spouse. You're praying for a child. You're praying for breakthrough. And it feels like God's not listening. God, I know you have the power. Are you just jacking with me? 
I know you can do it. Why, why haven't you done it yet? And it's in these moments that you and I can bring our real questions to a real God who has real answers. Because Christianity is a living God. He wants to, he's a God who initiates relationship with us. And I want to answer this question, what is God doing while we're waiting? I want to talk about a period of history that's actually not in your Bible. It's on the screen. It's called the Intertestamental Period. It's very nerdy. It's this 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So your Bible is divided in, into two halves. The Old Testament, 39 books in the Old Testament. There's 27 in the New. These books are, Bible literally means library of books. There are 66 books that make the Bible. But if you go to the last, chap, last book in the Old Testament, it's Malachi. Now, when I first came to Christianity, I thought it was Malachi. I was like, awesome. I thought it was Job, was Job. I'm like, Job, Malachi, is there Boba in here? This is all crazy names, right? The last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. The first book in the New Testament is Matthew. All you got to do is literally just turn the page, and you go from one book to the next, and you won't even realize there's a 400-year gap between the two. And what makes this period very difficult is that God was not speaking. For 4,000 years, when God gave the promise to Abraham, to Adam and Eve, he said, I'm going to send a Savior. And then he reaffirmed it through Moses, through David, through the prophets. Then for 400 years, he was silent. Imagine for a moment my daughter says, Dad, I want some eggnog. Imagine I'm in the kitchen and she can't see me. I'm, I'm cooking eggs, honey. Uh, give me a few minutes. Dad, can you bring me some eggnog? It's been 10 I'm coming. But then imagine my daughter can't see me in the kitchen. And she's calling my name. And I stop giving her reassurance. It's so easy to think, can, can did my dad hear me? Did my dad leave? Where is my dad? Well, I drank it all last time. I'm on my way to Lucky trying to buy some new, new another carton. And it's often in these moments, this is exactly how we feel. We're praying, we're crying out to God, we're hoping for something, we're believing for something, we have faith for something, but we can't hear God. We don't know where he's at. All we want is a sign. All we want is something to, from him. God, give me a sign, give me a feeling, just let me know that you're there. It's in these moments I want to tell you that even though God feels silent, he's not absent. Let me say that again. Even though God feels silent, he's not absent. And I wrote it down like this. While you are waiting, God is working. While you are waiting, our God and Father. He's not just a God. He's a Father. Jesus says, pray to him, our Father. He didn't say, pray to the CEO, pray to the, the president, pray to this general. He said, pray to our Father. God is a Father. In the same way that if I ran out of eggnog, I would drive, I would work, I would do everything in my power to give my daughter more eggnog. In the same way, your Father is working and has never stopped working to bring you home. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose on your life. What is God doing while we're waiting? He's working. He is always, he is always working. And there is this verse in the New Testament that intersects the promise given in Genesis chapter 3 and what happens in Matthew chapter 1. It's in Galatians chapter 4. It says this. This is by the Apostle Paul. But when the set time, someone say set time. Can we say it a little bit louder? Set time. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. There's that word again, born of a woman. Some translations say seed of a woman. 
born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. At the perfect time, when it was perfect, God, that's when God sent his son to take us from children of sin to children of adoption, children who were far from getting to children who came home. And God did all of that at the perfect time. This phrase, at the set time, had fully come. It's actually two words in the Greek, but it's often translated multiple words in English. And it's this word on your screen, pleroma chronu. Chronu is the, the root word for chronology or time. Pleroma means complete. So when you put these two words together, the literal translation is perfect time. The perfect time. Let me read you what this phrase means in different translations. That when the time was right, God sent his son. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. Another translation says, but when the time was fully pregnant. My wife and I, we have two kids. I was in the room when my wife gave birth. I almost passed out one of the times. Listen, when it's not ready, you cannot force it. And when it's time, nothing, not even the doctors, the best doctors in the world can stop it. Amen? And when God was pregnant with purpose, that's when Jesus came. That he wasn't late, he wasn't early, he was perfectly on time. And some of you have forgotten that, that, that our God is a father and he loves you and he hears your prayers and he has not forgotten about you. What is God doing while we're waiting? He's preparing for the perfect time to show up. He's preparing for the perfect time. And I love that the scripture says, seed of a woman. Because it repeats that phrase in Genesis. And that's the only two times in Scripture where it says that. Every other time, it's the seed of a man. Seed of a man. That the genealogy of, of humanity comes through the man. But here it says seed of a... Why is it saying that? Because the Bible wants you to know that Jesus came from a divine father and an earthly mom. He was born of a virgin. He was in the immaculate conception. And the sin nature, I'm going to talk about this next week, is actually passed through the father. All the moms are like, I knew it. <laughs> the sin nature is passed through the Father. This is why Jesus was the sinless lamb who could die for our sins. And at the perfect time, God did not come to give us a book, a religion, a, a room where we can sing songs. He came to die for us at the perfect time. Can someone give Jesus a thank you, a shout? Thank God. Thank God. And imagine the Israelites for 4,000 years. They get this promise. And it's reiterated through David, through Moses. And there's 400 years of silence. And you begin to wonder, does God love me? And then this 14-year-old girl with braces, probably listening to Justin Bieber, she's holding the promise. God in the flesh. And it's usually after you get the blessing, after you get the promise, and you look back on all the pain that all has purpose. And you begin to see the why with the what. And you realize you, you weren't ready for it. And there were circumstances that needed to be prepared. I, I'm so grateful God did it right now because I wasn't ready then. And it only happens in hindsight. And there are some of you in this room, you are going through what I would call the intertestamental period of silence. You're praying for something. You're crying out to God for something. But God hasn't answered. And you're wondering, God, what are you doing? It's often in those moments where he feels absent. I want to encourage you. I want to show you through, the, through, through Scripture that often God is most active during those seasons. When you feel he's doing nothing is when he's doing everything. And often what was so crazy, this intertestamental period, this 400 years, there's nothing written. But God was super active. He did more in those 400 years than he did in 4,000. 
Any history buffs in the room? Anybody loves history? Look around. These are the nerds in our church. We love you guys. Thank you for raising your hand and being a guinea pig. I'm going to give you five things about history that showed God was preparing the way for Jesus. Number one, it's this. Alexander the Great. Notice it's not Alexander the Goat. Because when you win in basketball, like Michael Jordan, you're the goat. When you win in football, like Tom Brady, you're the goat. When you win the world, they, they don't put goat next to your name, they put great. Alexander the, the Great took over the world in 12 years. And this is significant because now the whole world, listen, is speaking one language. That's important. Number two, it's this. The Old Testament was translated to Greek for thousands of years only the Hebrew people could read the Old Testament, the promises about Jesus, the prophecies of the coming Messiah. But now that we have a common language, the Old Testament was translated in about 300 B.C. Now everyone can read the Bible. Number three, if you're taking notes, it's the, called the Socratic method. For centuries, when you would go to a school or a professor or t study under a rabbi, what would happen is he would speak and you would listen. And learning was one-directional. The Socratic method is bi-directional. The teacher's teaching, and you can ask questions. It's going back and forth. Before, you were never allowed to ask questions until this time period. Number four. It's the dis number five, I'm sorry. Number four is the Romans conquered the Greeks. This is significant. For about 100 years, the Romans, they don't need to go to war. They don't need to build an army. They don't need to defend their land. There is supernatural, crazy peace. And they use all their time, all their money, all their energy. You know what they're doing? Building roads and highways. Now, every part of Rome is connected for the very first time in human history. And number five is this, the diaspora. I'm like, what's that, Pastor? I went to public school. I'll explain it. Don't worry. The, the Romans didn't want the Jews living in Jerusalem, so they dispersed them. For the first time in human history, the Jews are not living just in Jerusalem. They're living in every corner of the Roman world. And when you look at all these five facts individually, they don't make sense. But when you see them all together, when you see them all together, you begin to see the why behind the what. What, what was God doing while we were waiting? He was working. He was working. Because for the very first time in human history, everyone is speaking the same language. So when Jesus comes, everyone can know what's going on. For the first time in human history, the, the, the word of Jesus can go fast to the, to the four corners of the world. And there are already Jews there. And the people of God can now ask questions because before they only had to listen. And the answer is Jesus. And some of you are wondering, what is God doing? Listen, while you were waiting, God is working. While you were waiting, God was working. And the Israelites didn't see it. They were wondering why God was silent for four 400 years, he was busy behind the scenes. And in the same way, while you're praying, while you're hoping, while you're believing God for something, and you don't see anything, just because you don't see him doing anything, doesn't mean he's not. God's silence does not mean he's absent. Our God is always working. And if anything about the intertestamental period shows us is that when God is most silent is actually when he's most active. If you're new to our church, you, you know that we launched this church at the Hotel Valencia at Santana Row. And we were bursting at the seams. We almost needed to find a new place. We had 200 people. And then the pandemic happened. We were about two years old. And then for the last eight months, when we finally could regather after 60 months of Netflix church. Anybody love Netflix church? No one. Thank you. After 60 weeks of online church, which is very hard, by the way, we, we couldn't go back to the hotel. 
For the last eight months, we've been doing church at 5 p.m., not because we want to, but because we have to. And for months, we've been praying, God, God, do you hear our prayer? God, we need a building. God, we've knocked on the door of 73 different locations wanting to do church in the morning. And there's often these seasons where God is, feels like he's doing nothing. And you're like, God, do you hear us? God, do you still care? God, did I, did I do something wrong? It's often when God is most silent that we begin to question his character the most. And I wrote down like this. The Bible is full of people given a promise, but they had to wait before they could touch it. The Bible is full of people who were given a promise, but they had to wait before they could touch it. Take, for example, in the New Testament, there's this woman with the issue of blood. She wasn't around, allowed to be around people. She was constantly bleeding. She had emptied her tears, emptied her prayers, and literally, the Bible says, she emptied her bank account to pastors and doctors, and no one could help her until she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And in a moment, she was healed. But she remember, she had to wait 12 years What about in the Old Testament? A dude named Joseph. God gave him a dream that you're going to save your family. God's going to raise you to a level of authority and privilege where you're going to protect your family from death. He's 17 years old when God speaks this word to him. He spent the next 13 years in prison. He'd wait 13 years before he saw the promise fulfilled. That's a long time. I I get angry when the microwave says 13 seconds. You remember what I'm talking about? If I'm in line at Chick-fil-A for more than a minute and a half, I'm like, this is free. You promised less than a minute and a half. Joseph had to wait 13 years. What about Abraham, the patriarch of our faith? And Sarah, his wife, the, the matriarch. They're called the mother and father of our faith. They were 75 years old when the promise was given. They had to wait 25 years. My favorite story of waiting in the New Testament, John chapter 7, a dude who's been lame since birth, for 38 years, he was on his yoga mat. And Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. What is God doing while we're waiting? He's working. He's working. I know you don't see it. I know you don't hear it. But I wrote down like this. God's delays are not necessarily God's denial. God's delays are not. I don't know what you're waiting on. I'm not sure what your it is. If it's a miracle, a blessing, a job, a spouse, a child. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a dream that you want to do. I don't know what your it is. But believe me, just because you haven't seen it yet does not mean you're not getting it. God's working on it. Because he's always working. And the best way to explain this is really a story from my own life. Many of you are new to our faith community. You don't know, but the gospel was shared to me when I was 22 years old, and I didn't want it. My sister shared faith with me from 22 to 24. I knew who Jesus was. I did not want to give him control. I knew he was God. I just didn't want him to make him my Lord because I wanted to be in control. I didn't believe he was good. I'm not going to give up my weed, my porn, my part. No! I, I didn't go to church during the season, but I knew who God was. Fast forward two years. I get married, my wife, my ex-wife cheats on me and leaves me. And now I'm 24 and I'm in my pit. And I'll never forget that night, God powerfully showed up. It's Lamentations chapter 3, verse 55. I called you from the pit and you heard me. And you came and rescued me. When I was at my lowest, 
It's when God showed himself most powerful. And I said, God, I, I live life my way. But I want to give it to you from here. I remember signing a piece of paper saying, all my dreams, all my goals, all my plans in life, on a piece of paper, I left the paper blank. And I just signed the bottom. I said, you can do with it whatever you want. And how many know, when you give your life to God, it's not just on Sunday morning or Sunday evening for an hour. He wants your wallet. He wants your underwear. He wants everything. Okay, and Friday nights for me were like the bars and clubs with my friends. And now it became Barnes and Noble, reading books, listening to sermons about Jesus because I wanted to prepare myself for the way that God wanted to use me. While I was waiting, God was working. And I thought, I'm going to meet her next week, right? You ever meet single people every time they shake your hand? Like, I do. I mean, nice to meet you, right? They're always wondering if you're the one. Always. I'm just exposing the secret. I thought I'd wait maybe a few weeks. I waited seven years for Pastor Yasmin. During this time, I wondered, Did you, do you still hear me? Do you love me? Do you still care? And while I was waiting, God was working. And what I didn't realize is I was at a church where Pastor Yaz was actually there. She was actually dating someone else, thinking he was the one. <laughs> right? <laughs> trying to be real. I'm a pastor. I can't lie. Come on. Pastor Yasmin, if you ever hear her testimony, she was an atheist drug dealer and became a pastor. Crazy testimony. For two, maybe three years, she vehemently fought her family and church against the idea of God. And when she becomes a Christian, the first week, she leads her aunt to faith. Powerful move. But we're friends. Imagine for four or five years, she's dating someone else. I'm single. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But God's working. And little beknownst to me, her job is now moving from San Jose to Texas. And she's praying, do I go or do I stay? And at the same exact time, I'm praying, God, do I take this job at this church or do I leave somewhere else? And while I'm praying and waiting, God's working. God speaks to her. You need to do two things. Dump that chump. I could say it. And you're not allowed to go to Texas. You're staying. She was told to stay even though she didn't have a backup plan. And I, I was staying because God said, don't leave just yet. Do this. It's crazy. While I was waiting, God was working. Within three or four months, we start dating. Within six, we get engaged. Within a year, we're married. Now, nine years later, we got two kids at church, a partridge in a pear tree. How many know about God? While I was waiting... God was working. I even have an, an unverified quote from Pastor Yasmin. says, he's the best thing that ever happened to me. In the, in the culture of fake news, that's real. That's real. See, some of you in this room, you're praying. You're begging God privately for something. And he hasn't answered. And you're wondering in your heart, do you still hear me, God? Are you there? And maybe in your darkest hours, if you're courageous enough to share, you would say, God, are you even real? I want to say this phrase to you. God is either working on it or is working on you. Because God's always working. Maybe he's working on it like he was with my wife. I was ready. I was ready like seven and a half years ago. Come on. But I was waiting for someone to stop dating that other dude. 
Maybe, maybe God's waiting on it is a boss, or it is your neighbor, or it is your friend. I don't know what your it is, but believe me, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean God's not working. He's working in the background. But I've realized if it's not, if God isn't working on it, he's working on you. You might want to write this down. God will often do something in you before he does something for you. God change you. You can't handle the blessing. You're too selfish, too prideful. He wants your business to grow, but he wants to bless you to be a blessing. And if he gave it to you now, you'd just ball out. He wants to bring someone, but you still have unforgiveness towards the other person. There's some character flaws he's got to remove. There's some growing up to do. The goal is not to just come to church and sing some songs. The goal is to look and love like Jesus. If I can encourage you, don't waste your waiting season. Don't waste your waiting season. Maybe there's a season where you're waiting and God's showing you. You depend on money. You trust on your education. You depend on your looks. And there's a season where you're going to depend on him in a greater way. Don't waste it. I love what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 64. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts. Someone say, who acts. Who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. While you're waiting, God is moving. While you're waiting, God's pursuing. He's the one that comes after us. He came up after us in the garden. He's the one that kept prophesying, kept promising, kept pursuing. He's the one that's coming after you. He's the one that's pursuing you. And our God is not just a God. He's a father. And fathers will do anything they can for their children. He loves you with an everlasting love. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a calling for your life. It's bigger than a 401k, bigger than the American dream. It's called the God dream. And the most fulfilling thing in life is when you know and follow Jesus. Know and follow him. Came out of, you can clap for Jesus, that's right. I love that I was born and raised in a Muslim home. Because I can see the power of Christianity. In so many religions, it's about you going on a journey. It's about you going on a pilgrimage about you climbing the mountain to get to God. What's so crazy about Christianity is that our God goes on the pilgrimage. Our God goes on the journey. Our God leaves heaven and becomes a man. And he pursues you. He wants a relationship with you. The Bible says that he didn't come for the righteous. He came for the ratchet. He came come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He didn't come from the moral. He came from the misfits. He came from people like me and you. And I wonder in this room, while you are waiting on God, is God pursuing you? Is God tugging your heart? Maybe God brought you here because you wanted Chiros, but he wanted you to leave with him. Second Peter verse 3 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping and keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, our God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but our God wants everyone to come. Because our God is patient.
our God is so patient. God was patient with me and my rebellion. God was patient with Pastor Gaz. And let me tell you, God is patient with you because he wants you to come to the knowledge of him, of his mercy, of his grace, of his goodness. We don't just have a God. We have a good Father. My question for you tonight is maybe the God you're waiting for is waiting for you. Maybe the God that you're waiting for is waiting for you. I don't know what you're dealing with in your heart, what dream, what promise, what hope you've had. I know that you don't see it. You've been waiting and believing. But I came to declare that our God is always good. And while you're waiting, our God is working. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. And I thank you so much that you work in the way that only you can. God, as we're waiting, waiting for that miracle, waiting for that unanswered prayer, waiting for provision that's not here yet, waiting for the healing, the restoration. God, as we're waiting, thank you, God, for the promise that you're always working. That's you tonight with every eye closed and every head bowed and you find yourself waiting and wanting God to have his way while you wait, you just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. You put your hand down. God, thank you so much for the promise that while we're waiting, you're working. That your delay is not a denial, God. God, even in, in the silence, even in the delay, God, we still believe. We still believe. And while you're all praying and speaking to God, I want to speak to some of you that maybe this is your, your Christmas moment. But the God of heaven left to have a relationship with you. He left heaven, not so that you can go to ugly buildings and sing songs on Sunday came to die. And the solution to the world's problems is not capitalism, socialism, or any other ism. We need a spiritual solution to our physical problems. That's Jesus. The sinless one, the one born of a virgin. The one who had no sin, who came to die for our sin. And this God wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to walk with you. And he's been tugging on your heart, drawing you in. That's you this, this evening, with every eye closed, every head bowed. And you want to turn from your ways and come home to Jesus. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. See your hand over there. See your hand in the back. You put your hand down. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That Christmas is about your birth and my freedom. You came for me. You were born a virgin 
be sinless so that you could die for my sin. God, I've known, I felt your tug. I believe you're real. I place my faith, my hope, my trust in you, Jesus. I want to turn from my way, God. I want to make you Lord of my life. I'm scared, God, of giving you control, but I feel the faith to do it. I place control in your hands. I turn from my sin. I repent for living life my way. Thank you, God, that you were willing to die for me. Thank you, God, that you're more than willing to forgive me. God, would you fill me with your spirit so I can love you and obey you and walk with you all the days of my life. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.